Temp check. What kind of summer are we having this year? A family road trip summer? A beach bum summer? Or a wake me up when the sun sets summer? With Instacart, choose your own adventure and skip the shopping side quests. Where available, you can get ice cream delivered to your hotel, sunscreen to the pool, or cold brew to your bed. Well, door. In as fast as 30 minutes. Wherever you find yourself this summer, you can get the goods. Download Instacart for free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. Minimum $10 per order. Excludes restaurants. Additional terms and fees apply. This podcast is brought to you by eHarmony, the dating app to find someone you can be yourself with. Why doesn't eHarmony allow copy and paste in first messages? Because you are unique and your conversations should reflect that. eHarmony wants you to find someone who will get you. How are you going to know who gets you if people send you the same generic conversation starters they message everyone else? Conversations that actually help you get to know each other. Imagine that. Get who gets you on eHarmony. Sign up today. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. What's up, wine people? This is Helen from Helen's Wines, and this is Wine Face, my podcast that is giving you the ins and outs about wine, a little bit of education, a little bit of wine pairing, a little bit of lifestyle, a little bit of leather, a little bit of lace, a little bit of fantasy, a little bit of face. Okay, it's Wine Face. Helen's Wines is my wine shop. It's in Los Angeles in the back of a restaurant called John and Vinny's on Fairfax. It's bomb.com. It's a gem box. It's small, curated. You can visit us online. If you want more info, Helen'sWines.com or follow along on Instagram at Helen's Wines. But today, Wine Face, turning an eye on a question I get all the time. And it goes a little something like this. I want to learn about wine, but it's overwhelming. Where do I begin? And my friends, step one, listen to this podcast. Now, wine is inherently overwhelming. It's a complex issue. And Like the best croissant, you need layers. You need to layer the knowledge. Great lamination of the knowledge is really how you start learning about wine. It's one foot in front of the other. It takes time. You got to put down a layer and then you layer on top of that. But there are a few things that can kind of help you in this wild world of wine today because there's lots of talk and lots of buzz and lots of buzz words and people don't know what it means and they don't know who to believe and who not to believe and... I have a hard time sometimes navigating it, to be honest with you. But step one is, if there was one book I would recommend, there's one book. There used to be a restaurant in the Twin Towers in New York. It was called Windows on the World. My mom actually took me and my brother there once as a special dinner out. And it was crazy because it's like it was like super like high up in one of the towers. And like the wind was kind of rocking the building. I mean, it was just absolutely mind-blowing. It was called Windows on the World. And... This guy named Kevin Zraeli wrote a book when he was the wine director there. It's called Windows on the World Wine Guide. And it first time I read it, it just helped me click the basics into place. Who makes wine? Where is wine made? What grapes are grown where? What's the process of winemaking? How does this all work? What's up? What's down? What's a cork? Why do we need it? What's fermentation? Anyway, listen to my podcast. We're going to talk about all that stuff. But Kevin Zraeli's book. It's Zraeli, Z-R-A-L-Y-S, Windows on the World. It's amazing. So when people ask me, I want to learn about wine, it's overwhelming, I always say, first of all, read this book. If you don't have it, you can borrow my copy. 
But second of all, what makes wine oodly more complicated right now is all of the definitions of what wine is, right? Is that a natural wine? Is that wine organic? Is that a biodynamic wine? Is that a collectible wine? Should I be aging that wine? Is that conventional wine? Is that supermarket wine? I mean, I'm also propagating this by talking about it and using some of these terms, but I think it's really dangerous to kind of pigeonhole yourself into, oh, well, all this wine is good and all that wine is bad. You got to think about the people who are making the wine. Now, I have my standards, but I kind of wanted to open up the conversation because the way to start learning about wine is to understand how to start talking about wine. So what is natural wine? Natural wine is farmed organically, okay? Organic farming is a baseline foundation of it. And you are making this wine or you're transforming really, like taking grapes and transforming them without adding or removing anything in the cellar. So there's no additives, there's no processing agents, there is no intervention. It's all naturally occurring fermentation from wild yeast and it's kept, everything is kept at a minimum and there is no fining or filtration. And the result is you get like a living wine. It's wholesome and it's kind of full of all these naturally occurring things and they can be fascinating and they can be exciting and delicious and natural wine is absolutely unbelievable, but it is its own, it is its own thing. There's also wine that is made organically. Organic wine starts with organic farming. And what I think is kind of dangerous is you can call a wine organic just because you use organic farming, but then the choices that are made in the cellar after that can be totally against the organic intentions of making that wine. You can use temperature, you can do chemicals, you can use a lot of intervention to change the character. And we've talked a lot about this. So the reason why people gravitate towards using a definition when they're at a restaurant ordering wine to be like, I want a natural wine is it's It's a barometer for guaranteeing without them having to know a lot about different producers or different importers that the quality level of what they're getting. What I encourage people to do is we have to move beyond that because there's so much wine that's amazing, that's made really well, that's organically farmed that, you know, I consider a version of natural wine, but is not under the definition I just gave you of natural wine is not technically that be it because they add a little bit bit of sulfur at bottling. Now, sulfur really isn't the enemy. Sulfur is a naturally occurring thing in wine. So there's organic wine. Even better than that, there's biodynamic wine. Biodynamic is when the winemaker, who's a farmer at heart, is following Rudolf Steiner's philosophy about biodynamic farming, which is farming along the cycle of the moon as it moves through the constellations. And that there's different days of the week that you should do different things. And it's got, it's kind of rooted in a little bit of voodoo and there's certain traditions and you like bury horns full of manure in certain parts of the vineyard. But I got to say biodynamic wines for me, they attain a certain amount of energy, a certain amount of tension and excitement that I think is very, very hard to kind of replicate. You can't add anything. You can't intervene to create that sort of exciting aspect. Okay. Then there's conventional wine, right? I use the term conventional wine to refer to a winemaking process where the winemaker doesn't have bad intentions, but they're just using 
so kind of these conventional methods that may or may not be what I want to put into my body. And I don't think there's any one way. You can't look at a label and be like, that's a conventional wine. You can start to get to know certain importers, certain distributors, and get to know it. That's on the back label. Um, I would say one thing is that like 96% of all the wine made in the world is made conventionally. And that the scary spice aspect to that is that there's a likelihood there could be herbicides, there could be pesticides, and there could be up to 300 different chemicals that are added. So it's just like, it's, it's a very complex, what is conventional wine, collectible wine. People ask me all the time, so should I buy this wine and should I age it? Only specific wines should be aged. And it usually is associated with how site specific they are. There's a real argument going on right now in the wine community about do natural wines age? Totally different topic, but also TBD. We got to see. I think there are a lot of great quote unquote natural wines that I've had that maybe some people coming up in the natural wine game right now might not call natural wine, but they're making them to the specifications of what is being defined as a natural wine, which leads me to the next thing. Natural wine, to be a natural wine, doesn't have to taste all crazy doesn't have to challenge your palate and doesn't have to be full of flaws. And sometimes those flaws are good. And so what do I mean by flaws? I wanted to talk about two today. One is VA, AKA volatile acidity. So acidity in wine is amazing. Acidity, minerality, these are the things that tantalize your palate, that bring the high notes, that bring the excitement, that kind of shred the gnar on the skateboard life of your mouth. I don't know, something like that, but that's acidity and minerality. So volatile acidity is caused by bacteria in the wine that creates acidic acid. And this acidic acid is like if you like what gives vinegar its characteristic flavor and aroma. It's basically like some of those yeast cells that were eating the sugar to convert it to alcohol, they went rogue. They went on their own agenda and decided to get a little bit outside the box and cause a little VA, and they wanted to get a little, create a little acidic acid. It's a natural thing that happens. It's a natural part of the fermentation process, so which is why you'll encounter VA a little bit more commonly in natural wine. In layman terms, volatile acidity is the process of wine turning into vinegar. And the thing is, is like a little bit of VA can be cool. A little bit of VA can be interesting. It can also blow off. It's a temporary thing. Sometimes wines age out of it. A lot of VA is not cool. It's not cool with me. And the way that you'll be able to identify it is sort of this like overwhelming vibe of nail polish remover. People probably are wondering how does VA even happen? Well, if you think about this, you've taken the grapes, pressed the juice, fermentation process has happened, and then all wine gets to chill in a specific vessel of the winemaker's choosing, whether it's stainless steel or barrel or cement tank, whatever it may be. And as it's in this vessel, a lot of times wine is racked and goes through this process of racking. And the simple definition of what racking in is, is you siphon wine from one container to another. You're kind of racking it. You're moving the wine around. The point of racking is interesting and can add many things. But that's as you as you're racking the wine. So you're moving it from one container to another, which is very common occurrence. You don't. Some people don't rack at all. Some people rack more too much. Um, also, as the barrels are being tasted to see where the wine's at, or general evaporation of the wine. So the wine's like chilling in this barrel. There's a natural thing where the wine depletes. Wine does evaporate 
we're tasting it from the barrel or it gets racked and a little bit is lost in transition. Air is then introduced into that container and there's little baby microbes that might have been asleep that then the air ignites and they come to the party and that's what's kind of causing this VA. It's these little microbes. Maybe there's a chip in the container. Maybe it wasn't sanitized enough. VA can be avoided by controlling the temperature. So, you know, natural wine fermentation, controlling the temperature is not something that's necessarily a hyper natural wine. Um, yeah, the result with too much VA is like glue or nail polish remover. But if it's in there and it's interesting, it kind of adds this like thrilling TBD. Oh my God, what is that? So VA is one of the first ones I want to talk about because I feel like people might not understand that it is like good and bad. And it, it, it should be something that we're tasting and we're thinking about as we're tasting the wine. Um, the next one is mouse. Uh, mouse is a mystery. <laughs> I ask a lot of winemakers about mouse. Mouse is something that I don't like personally. Some people like mouse. I don't like mouse. Some people can't taste mouse like cilantro. Some people just like can't taste it or it tastes like soap. But mouse is when you drink a wine, you won't be able to smell it. You won't really be able to taste it at first. It's all about the finish. So it's all after you've had a sip of the wine and the, it's sitting in your mouth and kind of this like taste nutty popcorn, kind of like m literally mouse cage, mouse urine. I have a strong aversion to it. It's, it's not. Some people masquerade that as funky. I don't think it's funky. I think it's just no bueno. But uh, where does mouse come from? Mouse is a micro biological flaw or fault that's caused by spoiled yeast cells to be short. So it's sort of like a spoil, a yeast cell went bad and it's expressing itself as mouse. The good news about mouse is that it goes away. It comes and goes. No one knows why. No one can figure it out. You can't really, uh, you can't really predict it because the taint in the wine is only formed once the wine is completely finished. So you wouldn't even know it pre like making the wine, you're bottling it. You're like, yeehaw, this wine is dope as dope on a rope. And then all of a sudden you taste it and it has mouse. But from my experience, what I do, I lay that wine down for a while, give it a six to 12 months. And then you have this gem box that emerges. What happens with mouse is your saliva in your mouth when you're doing the finish mixes with the residual wine that was left in there. And that reaction between the pH balance in your saliva and the residual wine, the reaction of that is mouse. <laughs> I know it sounds insane. A lot of things have been written about both VA and mouse. They are both very commonly found in natural wine. And I think that for the most part, some of the more serious natural wine producers that I love try and avoid it. They don't want to make a wine that has mouse or excessive VA because it's not necessarily the intention of the wine they're trying to make. Wine is complex. These two terms and thinking about how you create your vocabulary around natural wine, organic wine, biodynamic wine. I mean, first of all, just shop at a wine shop. That's, I always say that. Don't go to a grocery store because all those little cards, everything they're telling you is sort of just marketing brouhaha. I mean, even like like silver oaks, probably like we're natural wine that, you know, like, what is the term? The term's being used so much that it doesn't even mean anything anymore to some people. And I think we got to dig beyond that. You got to get to know the maker and start honing in your palate 
to demand the best possible product for what you're paying for. And don't get the wool pulled over your eyes. This was sort of like a scared straight, I want to learn about wine, but it's overwhelming, wine face. But I think it's important. And the conversation we're going to start and we're going to keep continuing and keep talking about it. Like, how do you get such big polar opposites from a natural wine to Franzia? How do these two things exist in the same marketplace? It's absolutely crazy. Well, it's the same thing as having a dope-ass cheeseburger at McDonald's. There's always going to be a consumer for it. So we just have to figure out how to become the best consumer for ourselves. So recently I had a sad instance of VA and I decided to lay the bottle down. It was a white burgundy, so it was Chardonnay. And I think that it will go away, but it was like, it was masking the beautifulness of what a Chardonnay from Burgundy can be. And I was just like, I can't sell this right now. The other weird thing about Mouse is I bought some wines from Sicily. When I tasted one of the wines, it was totally fine. It's totally beautiful. Opened up in a bottle two weeks after I bought it. And it has all this mouse. So now we're laying that down. So it's also kind of this patience game and demanding more and wanting to see where the journey of wine can express itself. This is Wine Face. It's Helen. Go to helenswines.com if you want to look at what we are doing. Got the wine club. Join the club. We are now shipping everywhere in California. So if you live in San Francisco, you can join my wine club. This is Wine Face. Have a beautiful day.